Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Eldridge. We're going to recap some of the things that we've been looking at the past several weeks and then stretching all the way back to January. Uh, Said going into the year, my hope for us is that we would grow in our understanding of what it means to say Jesus is our shepherd. And then out of that, we were growing confidence that because he's our shepherd, we don't, we don't lack anything. So the understanding piece, that, that's obviously important. The confidence is built on the understanding. But most of us don't have very much uh, context for sheep and shepherds. And so we've been using this book as a companion, kind of a devotional guide. A shepherd looks at Psalm 23, which was written by uh, a shepherd about 50 years ago. And it helps fill in some of the blanks for us. Uh, we also looked at John 10, 1 through 15, and Luke 15, 1 through 7, uh, two of the most well-known New Testament passages that talk about Jesus as a shepherd. And again, for all, all of it, we, we want to learn some things, but we don't just want to learn some things. We want to learn how to live these things out with a greater degree of confidence. Psalm 23 is a confident psalm. David saying, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And those of you that know his story know he had some pretty difficult years so that's not a flippant statement for him. And I want us to be able to be confident, even when we don't get what we want, even when things don't work out the way we want them to, that we can say, because Jesus is our shepherd, because of his care for us, because of his skill in managing our lives, we don't lack anything. So that, that's the hope. Uh, I pulled a few thoughts uh, that we obviously can't do six weeks worth of stuff in one Sunday, and so your takeaways may be different from mine, and that's totally fine. These are just a few things that I thought of um, as I was reflecting back over these uh, three passages. And the first seems a bit silly, but it's important for us to remember. To say that Jesus is our shepherd is to say that we're his sheep. And that's, that's important. When we think about our identity in Christ, most of us think about being a son or a daughter of God, being adopted into God's family, him being our father. Perfect. That's uh, theme that runs throughout the Bible, particularly strong in the New Testament, and we need to know that. We need to know what it means to be a son or a daughter of God. Now, for most of you, if you're like me, the, the element of our identity being sheep, that's not top of mind. I've lived in Marietta for most of my life, and I've never run into a sheep. And as far as I know, I've never run into a shepherd. So that's not, it's not something that's kind of in our normal orbit of our lives. We're not reminded of that in the way maybe the people in Jesus's time were, where, you know, they go outside and they saw sheep. Many of them were shepherds. And so, you know, there, there would have been some reinforcement there that we don't necessarily get. And so it's easy for us to forget that we're sheep. If he's our shepherd, that makes us sheep. And again, that runs all the way back to Genesis. We see this idea of God as our shepherd and us as his sheep. And there's lots of things you can say about sheep. I think the primary truth in that metaphor is that the well-being and the welfare of a sheep is completely dependent upon the care and the skill of the shepherd. If you see a healthy sheep, then you can bet that there's a shepherd who cares and there's a shepherd who's good at his job behind that sheep. The, the well-being, the welfare of a sheep is completely dependent upon the care and the skill of of the shepherd. So that means for us, if we're sheep, our welfare and our well-being is completely dependent upon Jesus' care for us and his skill 
at managing our lives. The, the word for that is humility. That's the, 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 uh, the base of humility is, is recognized or acknowledged dependence. To be humble is to recognize or acknowledge my need for my dependence upon God. Sheep, they don't, what, I don't, they're not smart. But if they were, sheep would know, I need my shepherd or I'm not gonna make it. And for most of us, we've spent most of our lives acquiring skills, experience, and wisdom to live independently, to take care of ourselves. That's what we do. That's, that's kind of the, the trajectory of parenthood is to get your kids to a place where they don't need you every day any longer. That's, that's, that's the win as a parent. It's different in our relationship with the Lord. We want to mature 100%, but we're never to get to a place where we don't need him. That's never the goal. The goal is not to live independently of the Lord. The goal is for us to acknowledge, to recognize our need for him. That's humility, and that humility opens us up to receive grace. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. We want to be people who receive grace, his unmerited favor, good things that we don't deserve, and humility is the prerequisite for that. The sheep piece of our identity, that reminds us. My well-being, my welfare, it's not dependent on how smart I am. It's not dependent on how hard I work. It's not dependent on who I know. It's not dependent on what kind of breaks I get. It's wholly and completely dependent upon his care for me and his skill at managing my life. We obviously have a part to play, but as sheep, we're dependent upon him. Second thing I would remind, as his sheep, we follow him. Middle Eastern shepherds walk in front of their sheep, not behind them. Jesus says in John 10, I go before you. You follow me. That's the core invitation in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He, to his disciples, follow me. Jesus walked 3,000 miles in three years, and they literally followed him from Capernaum to Nazareth to Jerusalem, Sea of Galilee. That's what they did. For us, it's not quite as literal, but it's the same invitation. Follow me. And the key to us is knowing his voice. He says, you're my sheep and you'll know my voice. That's how you're gonna follow me. You're gonna hear my voice and you're gonna obey it. That's what it looks like to follow him. That voice does not come through our ears. It comes to our heart. And the three primary ways that Jesus speaks to us are through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit, and through the church. Those are the primary ways he's gonna lead you and he's gonna lead me. And again, I'm not talking about speaking through your ears, but through your heart. The Bible is a revelation. It is not a rule book. It's a revelation. Here is who God is. Here's, here's his character. Here's how God acts in the world. Here's what he does, and here's what he expects of his people. That's what the Bible is full of. This is who God is, this is how he acts, and this is what he expects from his people. Genesis to Revelation, that's what's being communicated to us. It's truth that we wouldn't know otherwise, and we can't know otherwise unless we're reading it. There are no shortcuts. The only way to get the truth that's in the Bible is to get the Bible into you. It's to read it or to listen to it if you're more of a listener than a reader. It's true for all people, in all places, and for all times. In that sense, we would say it's general revelation. It communicates truth to people regardless of circumstance. It communicates truth about who God is, how he acts, and what he expects of us. Now, the Holy Spirit, when we become Christians, he lives within us. There's lots of decisions you have to make on a daily basis that are not in the Bible. 
We said last week by kind of just by box checking, there's 2.4 billion Christians in the world. Think about every decision you make every day. Multiply that by 2.4 billion and think how big the book has to be that covers all of that. So rather than doing that, what God did is said, I'm gonna reveal my character. I'm gonna reveal my actions. I'm gonna reveal my expectations through the Bible. That's true for everybody. And then I'm gonna put my spirit within you to lead you in the personal and the individual decisions that you have to make on a daily basis. And the way the Holy Spirit speaks to us primarily are through our thoughts. So if you have a thought that's better than you, it's probably him. If it's smarter than you, if it's kinder than you, if it's more loving than you, it's probably him. And sometimes those thoughts are, they're like ideas. Oh, I, I, I wasn't, that wasn't on my mind. I should reach out to so-and-so. Maybe somebody's name pops into your mind. Sometimes it's direction. Do this instead of that. Oftentimes, the Holy Spirit gives reminders, which is great as you get older. He helps remind you of things. It's, it's practical. It's not just super spiritual stuff. In the practical dailiness of your life, he wants to lead you and guide you. Uh, oftentimes, people get pictures, and that's particularly so when they're praying for other people. It's a way of encouraging them. Uh, the technical word for that is prophecy. That's not about predicting the future. It's strengthening, encouraging, and comforting others in the body. And that may be true for you. When you're praying for somebody, you may see pictures in your mind. And that probably is the Holy Spirit. And you should probably pass that picture on to them. Hey, I was praying for you, and this is what popped into my mind. I, just wanted, I don't know what it means. I just wanted to let you know. And then, then the Holy Spirit or Jesus speaks to us through the church. And I don't mean Stonebridge Church Incorporated, although that may be, but I'm really thinking about the, the handful of people who love you and love God that you've given permission to speak into your life. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight people who love you, love the Lord, and you've said, I trust you enough to allow you to speak into my life. He speaks through the church. We say all the time, God speaks to the body, through the body. And that's really important. Your, your, those people... Your, your church, they can probably see the lettuce in your teeth that you can't, and they'll help point that out. But they can also see the gold in your heart that you can't, and they'll point that out. Most of us struggle with both of those things. Most of us struggle to know the good things that God has put in us as well as what it's like, that kind of the negative to be on the other side of us. And that's why it's important to have that group of people around you. God will speak to you through them. Now, recognize his truth through the church is coming through human vessels. So it gets, a little, it gets a little muddied in the delivery. And so you have to discern that. But that's, I mean, that, that's okay. The Bible says that test. So you discern those words that are coming to you through others. But recognize that that is one of the primary ways that Jesus wants to lead you. He wants to lead you through the Bible, he wants to lead you through the Holy Spirit, and he wants to lead you through the church. Again, through those, those people who love you, love him, and that you've given access to your life. You said, I trust you enough to let you shape the decisions. Lots of people will say, I'll tell you what's going on. People post that all over the place. I'm talking about the people that you say, I'm gonna let you help me make a decision. I'm gonna listen to you. So don't think that just because you're being transparent, I'll let everybody see what's going on. That's not the same thing as being vulnerable. I'm gonna let you speak into my life. It's like going into a doctor's office and saying, here are all the places where I hurt, and then you get up and leave. And the doctor may say, do you want me to, do I have anything to say about that? Do you wanna hear my opinion? That's vulnerability. And so that's, 
and you're not necessarily vulnerable with 100 people. I would say that's not wise. But there should be a handful that you've given access to your life, and God wants to speak to you through those. So I'm a sheep, you're a sheep. Our welfare is completely dependent upon the care and skill of our shepherd. We have a shepherd who goes before us. He leads us, and the way we follow him is by listening to his voice. And if you're a Christian, then you know his voice. For most of us, that's the key, is, is growing in confidence that we actually do hear him. He speaks primarily through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit, and he speaks through the church. Oh, I forgot this thing. So when you're thinking, this, is, this one is a little, this one is not me so much, and so I, I can tend to forget it. There's some people God speaks kind of to their gut. They just kind of know what they should do. I think about this particularly when they're making decisions, and it seems to be one of two kind of poles. There's either this peace that comes and they can relax and rest or this restlessness that kind of drives them forward. And that may be your experience as well. And so that, that's another way that the Holy Spirit may speak directly to you. Last thing I would say, and we didn't talk about this much in Psalm 23, but I, it's true and I think it's important for us to remember uh, his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So that word follow can mean pursue. So you can think about God's goodness and mercy kind of chasing after you. But it's also, you can just say, well, it means follow. And it would mean kind of trails behind you. And I think that's a great way of looking at it as well. When we talk about Jesus as our shepherd, it can, it can feel like it's pretty self-centered. We're talking about all these good things that we get for being a sheep. And there's truth in that. But as with all things... God gives to us in order for us to give to others. All the way back to Genesis 12, 3. I'm choosing you, Abraham, and I'm gonna bless you and you're gonna be a blessing to other nations. It's never just about us. There's always an other dim dimension, an other component, an other element. And that's true for us. So Keller, in his book, he says that a, a, a flock of sheep is uniquely positioned to ruin a landscape. Because of their particular habits, a, mis a mismanaged flock can destroy a field. They, 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 they uh, are creatures of habit, and so they wear ruts that can ruin a landscape. They go back to the same water source, and so they can pollute it. And then when they're eating grass, they don't just eat down to the root. They actually paw the roots out and kill them so no grass can grow. But Keller says, conversely, a well-managed flock can do more to benefit a landscape than any other animal. In ancient literature, they were called the golden hooved because of the benefit a flock of sheep that's well-managed could have on a landscape. So this is gross, but it's true. So Keller says their manure is the best. I don't know how you, I don't know how you judge that. <laughs> so I'm going to take his word for it. It's the best in terms of amending the soil. He says that they'll eat anything. So they eat invasive species and weeds. That Again, he says he's seen it personally. With, in just a couple of years, a flock of well-managed sheep can turn a wasteland into this really lush and abundant field. It's this picture of goodness and mercy following behind. It's I'm giving you life and giving you life abundantly. It's spilling over the edges so what God does for us is not just for us, it's for others as well. And that's, that's true for us. So as we're thinking about Jesus as our shepherd, it's not just about us. The people who are connected to you, they benefit 
from Jesus' care for you and his management of your life. His goodness and his mercy will follow you. You'll be on the lake this weekend, the wake of your boat, what you're leaving behind. Goodness and mercy, that's what's trailing after you. It's pursuing you, and it's also trailing after you. Again, it's not just about us. We're gonna close this morning by taking communion. The way we do that, Stonebridge will come forward a road time, break off, break off a piece of bread and dip it in the juice. We've got gluten-free communion and this prepackaged communion as well. But I'm gonna give you a long setup for communion. So as sheep, we need a shepherd. And Jesus is uniquely positioned for that role. In John 10, there was that, uh, at the, I think it's verse two and three, you have the doorkeeper and the shepherd comes to the doorkeeper, uh, knocks on the door, the doorkeeper opens it, recognizes the shepherd and he gives the sheep to the shepherd and trusts them to him. And, and to me, that's a picture of what the father has done. He's the doorkeeper and we're his sheep. And when Jesus comes, he recognizes him and he says, you're the one that I've chosen to take care of my sheep. You're the one that I'm putting in charge. The one who knows us the best, the one who's formed us and knit us together in our mother's womb. He said, this is the guy who's best positioned to care for you and to manage your life. He's very unique. He's the only one who's ever lived who's been fully human and fully God. Hebrews says that Jesus was a man just like us in every way. He knows what it's like to get tired. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be in pain. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to be frustrated. He knows what it's like to be tempted and tested and tried. He's done all of that. He's experienced all of those things. He knows what it's like to be a sheep. And, according to Colossians 2.9, all of the fullness of God dwells in him. So when you're thinking about, well, who has the skill to manage my life? How about the guy who knows everything? How about the guy who can see around the corner? How about the guy who always knows the best right thing to do? How about the guy who's all powerful and can accomplish his will? Nobody holds both of those things together except him. He's the only one who knows everything about our human condition and situation and can bring all of the resources of heaven to bear on that condition and situation. There's not a better shepherd. He's the one the Father has chosen for you, and he's the one the Father has chosen for me. Again, he is uniquely qualified for this work. If my welfare and your welfare, my well-being and your well-being is dependent upon the care of my shepherd, he demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, he died for us. You can't express love more deeply than he has. And his skill at managing our lives. Many of you have a testimony of that. You've been following him long enough that you can say he knows what he's doing. I don't always know what he's doing, but he always knows what he's doing. It may not always be easy, but it's always good. I don't always get what I want, but I always get what's best. You have a testimony. If you're still young in your faith, or maybe you may not be there yet, and I would encourage you to connect to someone who's been doing this a little bit longer than you. And they can give you a testimony. Here's what it looks like to follow a good shepherd. Again, it's not always easy, but it's always best. He knows what he's doing. He's skilled at leading his sheep. He's all wise. He's all knowing. He's all good. 
and he's all powerful. Nobody else can say that. And he knows exactly what it's like to be in your spot. He's been there. He can sympathize with us in our weakness and he can apply the resources of God to our situation. Your well-being, my well-being, your welfare, my welfare, it's dependent upon the care and the skill of the shepherd and he's got both. He cares more deeply and he has more skill. There's nobody better to trust your life with. In Luke 15, he joyfully pursues us even when we wander away. It's not with exasperation, it's not with disappointment, it's not with frustration, it's not with antagonism, it's with great delight and joy that he comes after us. Way back in January, we talked about this, this idea of a cast sheep. There's a picture of one behind me, it looks really silly. Sheep on its back. It's helpless, but more than helpless, it's in great danger. So in, during, during the summer, as hot as it is out here, if a sheep's on its back, it dies within a couple of hours. Just the nature of their physiology. Not, not even talking about being attacked by a predator. Just on its own, left alone, it'll die in a couple of hours. And they're not able to roll back over, if that's what you're thinking. Just, they can't. They can't roll back over. They're top-heavy because of all their wool. On a cool day, they can maybe survive for a couple of days like that. So when a shepherd gets separated from the sheep or the sheep gets separated from the shepherd like in Luke 15, that's why the shepherd moves so urgently, leaves the 99 to go after the one because it, it, that can happen very easily outside of the eye of the shepherd. And when that happens, the sheep is completely helpless and is in great danger until the shepherd can get there and right the sheep. The word in Psalms is he restores our soul. He fixes us. He puts us back right. In Luke 15, he puts the sheep on his shoulders. It's just like when you sleep on your arm and you wake up in the morning and you can't do it. That's what happens when the sheep are like that. They're, they can't walk when they're flipped back over. There haven't been any circulation to their legs. And so it can take a while for a sheep to get to where it walks. So the shepherd puts him on his shoulders, 200 pounds, and carries him back to safety. And he does all of that joyfully and delightedly. Again, not grudgingly or frustrated or exasperated. He rejoices when he finds us and he restores us to himself and to the Father. He makes things right in our hearts and in our lives. We wander, we're easily distracted and he pursues and for those who are lost, that's the Luke 15. The wanderer is Matthew 18. The, he's, he's pursuing you as well. Those who've never made a decision for him. He hasn't written you off. He's zealously coming after you. Those of us who wandered, and again, for most of us, it's not a deliberate rebellion. It's we just get distracted by, oftentimes it's the good things of life distract us. He's pursuing us with joy and delight as well. So as you're thinking about him and as you take communion, what I want in your heart and in your mind is this idea, he, he's, he's best suited. You're a sheep, period, dot, the end. God says so. So then the, the only question is, who, who are we following? Who, to, to whom are we entrusting our well-being and our welfare? Jesus says, I'm better than a stranger. I'm better than a thief. I'm better than a robber. And I'm better than an employee. I'm better than a hired hand. And I've demonstrated that by laying down my life for you. That's what we're being reminded of this morning.
His care for us is evident. You can trust him to manage your life well. And even when you wander, he will restore you. All you have to do is say, I I need help. That's simple. It's a prayer he always answers. So here's what we're gonna do as we close. We'll uh, take communion. We'll have ministry teams here. We'll pray with you about anything that you have going on. If any of you are sick, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, that God would heal you. That's one of the benefits of the cross is healing. And so we want to pray that God would heal you if you're sick. There's uh, w- one group in, in particular that I would love to pray with and for. If you're struggling with the idea of confidence, like I know that God is my shepherd. I know Jesus is my shepherd and I know he's good. That doesn't necessarily play itself out in my life though. I don't have a lot of confidence in that. We would love to pray that God would begin to grow that confidence in you. And let me give you most likely, not 100%, but 85 to 90%. This is the way this this will play out in your life just because I want you to know what to expect. So you'll come forward and you'll receive prayer and you may have an emotional moment, you may not. And then you're gonna go on with your life. And in a day or in a week or in two weeks, you're gonna have, we'll call it an opportunity. And in that opportunity, you're gonna have a, there's a choice where you can trust, where you can express confidence that Jesus is your good shepherd and you're not gonna feel it. You're gonna say, the prayer didn't work. I still feel the same. I'm still nervous about this or this still creates some anxiety in me or I'm still a bit afraid. And in that moment, you're gonna have an opportunity. And for some of you, it's gonna be an opportunity to not fret, for you to trust for you to have confidence that Jesus is your good shepherd, for some of you, what that means is just stop worrying. That's what it means. For some of you, it's gonna mean closing the spreadsheet. Stop trying to game plan every scenario. That's what it means for you to have confidence that Jesus is your good shepherd. It means you don't have to have a plan H. It's okay. He's he's managing your life. For some of you, it may be a bit more active. There may be something he's asking you to do that's a risk. And you have to trust that he knows what he's doing. Take this step even though you can't see the next one. I've been doing this for a while and I don't, I don't know that I've ever gotten two steps. Maybe some of you have. I usually get one. And when I take that one step, then the next step becomes clear. He's looking for for trust from us. Remember we say courage is not the absence of fear, it's the presence of obedience, even when you're afraid. And so again, you're gonna pray, hopefully, God, I wanna grow in confidence that because you're my good shepherd, I don't lack anything. Even when I don't get what I want, even when my life doesn't work out the way that I want, you may or may not have some warm, fuzzy feeling when you pray that prayer. But whether or not you do, it's not gonna last for three weeks. And you're gonna be faced with this opportunity. And in that opportunity, you're gonna have, it's a chance for you to express confidence. And after you do, after you do that, you'll feel a difference in your heart. We want the feeling first. We want the assurance first. Oftentimes, that's not the way it happens. He's looking for us to trust him 
This is 85, 90% of the time. I don't want that to scare you away. I just want you to know what you're saying yes to. Then over time, you're growing and that track record is, it's building. He's showing himself to be a good and faithful manager of your life. It'll become easier and easier for us to trust him moving forward. So I, I wanna pray for that. I wanna, if you're sick, we wanna pray for you. If you wanna grow in confidence that because Jesus is your good shepherd, you, you, you don't lack anything, we wanna pray for you. If you have anything else going on, we wanna pray for you as well. Also, and this is kind of over here to the side, we do wanna pray for camp. Matt mentioned, I think there's 530 people going to camp. They actually had to close registration because they ran out of beds. I've never heard of that. That's how many people are going. Probably 400. Yeah. I think about 400 of those are students, rising seventh grade to rising college freshmen. And probably about 200 of those are from Stonebridge. The rest are from other churches in our network. So most likely, you know somebody going to camp. You may not know that you know somebody going to camp, but most likely you do. And we wanna pray for them that it really kicks off tonight and it'll run through um, Friday around lunchtime. And we wanna pray. And there'll be sp some specific prayer points there for the kids and then for the adults. It's, really, it's run by these volunteers and many of them are giving up. They're taking a week of vacation to go to Covington. And you know, some of them are staying in a room like I have a rising ninth grader and I think there's like 48 of them. Like who wants that assignment? And so they're putting adults in there with, with, all, of these, with all these kids. To, and they're doing it joyfully and gladly and we wanna pray for them while they're gone as well. So there'll be some prayer points. Bo is gonna be singing over us. You'll know the song, most of you will, and you're welcome to sing along with him, worship along with him. But I would encourage you to pray. Just take one minute and you say, what's one minute? But it's, it's your one minute plus my one minute plus her one minute. Like, it gets there. And so just take a minute during this communion time to pray for camp. And then as Matt said, we'd love for you to find some time this week to continue to pray. It is a significant week in the lives of many students and we wanna pray that that would be the case. So we're gonna take communion. I'm gonna say a prayer and then we're gonna do a corporate prayer, a very brief corporate prayer together. And then uh, we'll take communion a row at a time. We'll have ministry teams. Again, anything that's going on, physical healing, or you wanna grow in confidence that because Jesus is your shepherd, you shall not want. And then in the midst of all of that, let's be praying for camp and the, the prayer points will be behind me. All right, let's pray. That's enough instructions. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and you'd move in our hearts. I pray for any who are lost, that they would hear you calling to them today. We pray they would be found and reconciled. For any who are wandering, same deal, that they would be found and reconciled, restored. Any who are on their back, and if that's you, if you feel like that, you feel like that sheep with all four of your legs up, just cry out for help in your heart right now. He will restore your soul. He will put you back on your feet. God, for all of us, I pray that we would grow both in our understanding and in our confidence that because Jesus is our good shepherd, he's the one that you, Father, have assigned to this task. He's uniquely qualified and positioned. That because of his great care for us and his skill at managing our life, we don't lack anything. 
I pray every one of us would grow in confidence in that regard. God, I pray for those who struggle with the idea of hearing your voice, that you would begin to speak to them in a way that they would understand and they would maybe even begin to realize, oh, he's been talking to me all along. I just didn't know it was him. We pray for those pieces to click. We pray, Holy Spirit, as we take communion, that you would apply to us all of the benefits of Jesus' obedient death and resurrection. I pray that you would bring forgiveness and healing and deliverance and comfort and encouragement, guidance, all of the things that are ours because of Jesus' willingness to die. We wanna receive those things. As we take bread dipped in juice and eat it, I pray that you would be pouring grace into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can stand and we're gonna pray this prayer together and then I'll let you sit back down. So we're gonna read all of those things, just boom, boom, boom. Ready? Jesus, I thank you for being my good shepherd and I'm grateful to be your sheep. Help me to grow in confidence that because of your deep love for me and your great skill at managing my life, I will have no lack. Give me grace to hear your voice and to follow you all my days. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. 